Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. You can call me cheap, but you'll never call me broke. This is a direct quote from today's guest, Nicole Hatcher. I thought this was such a really great point because so many of us, especially when we're trying to pay off debt and better our finances, we run into a lot of naysayers and sometimes there's some name calling and sometimes it's making you feel bad because you're being frugal or trying to pay attention to your finances. But I thought today's guest really did a great job of illustrating the importance of just staying on your own path and putting your head down when it comes to paying off debt, your finances, and also your career. I officially met Nicole through a mastermind group that I'm part of, and I fell in love with her story, her personality, and just her passion for helping others. She's the founder of Frugal Chic Life, and she's on a mission to achieve financial independence in 10 years or less, and then show people the step-by-step process she's taking. She helps other busy professional women become financially confident while building true wealth through her website, YouTube channel, and Beyond the Budget Planner. She believes true wealth isn't just about money. It's about living a life rich in spirit, time, and peace. She is a wife and mother to three little kids that are absolutely adorable. Before I share a little bit about what this episode is about and what you're going to learn, I have to share a really fun giveaway. Nicole is giving away two of her amazing Beyond the Budget planners. This is a combination of journal and planning process. So if you're like a physical, you like to handwrite everything, you're going to love her planners. To enter this giveaway, what you have to do is take a screenshot of this episode and tag me on Instagram. I am at Whitney underscore Hanson underscore co. And just make sure you tag me. Let me know that you're listening in. And if you want to go above and beyond, then definitely let me know what your takeaway is from this episode. I'm going to be choosing two random winners and notifying you on Instagram. The winner is going to be chosen by 915. <laughs> 915 2020. Gosh, I tell you, it's hard to talk sometimes. 
Anyways, so make sure you get your entry in by 9.15, and I'm going to randomly select two people. I'll notify you on Instagram, and Nicole is going to send you a copy of her Beyond the Budget Planner. I think you're going to really love it. I was looking at the planner myself and feeling like mm, I need to uh, purchase this because it's a really cool product. I'm super excited for you guys to have that and to hear what you think of it too. So don't forget to enter the giveaway. All right, let's talk about what you're going to learn today. So today we're going to talk about Nicole's journey to becoming a physician assistant. We talk about getting your partner on the same page with money, this moment that she had while walking across the stage for her doctorate degree, and having a financial come to Jesus moment. A candid conversation on mom guilt slash shame while aggressively paying off debt and side hustling. This is something that I think is really important if you're a mom and you've ever felt a little bit of guilt or shame around just trying to figure out how do you pay off debt, reach your financial goals, maybe even pick up some side hustles while parenting at the same time. This was such a really great point and I really love Nicole's perspective on it. We talk about Nicole's favorite saying, you can call me cheap, but you'll never call me broke and where that really came from, how her YouTube channel grew and became a successful business, tips for creating and selling a physical planner. If you've ever wanted to do this, she shares some really good insights into how you can launch a physical product and balancing a W-2 job and self-employment. I love this conversation. I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. I am so excited to introduce you to my friend, Nicole from Frugal Chic Life. And before we dive in officially, a quick word from today's sponsor. In my previous job, one of my least favorite activities was hiring. It was such a stressful time and there was so much financial commitment behind making sure that you make the best decision for your company. There's lots of different platforms. There's lots of ways to find somebody to hire, but one of the best is Indeed.com. Indeed is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need and you can pause your account at any time. There's no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides you with powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs. This is shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire that you need. In fact, they've done this for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners, all of you money nerds out there, a free $75 credit to boost your job post which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with the free $75 credit at indeed.com slash podcast. This is the best offer available anywhere. Go right now to indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This offer is valid through September 30th. If you're looking to hire, make sure you take advantage of this really awesome offer. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. Today I'm joined by one of my friends, Nicole. Nicole, thank you so much for hanging out. Thanks, Whitney. I'm excited to be here. I'm stoked to have you on the show. I'm embarrassed that you haven't been on yet. So my apologies for not reaching out sooner. (laughs) It's all good. I, I'm really excited to chat with you today because I think you are one of the few people I know that has had a really great debt-free story and is still working a normal, I say normal, quote unquote, job and building a really cool business. So can we talk a little bit about like, how did, how did you even get into personal finance? Like, what was your draw there? Yeah. 
Um, well, I'd say, I guess I've sort of been, hey, I've been a money nerd since the beginning. Let me just throw that out there since I'm on the money nerd <laughs> podcast. That's right. <laughs> I've been a money nerd, I would say, really since day one. I mean, my family has always called me cheap. And even my mom has always said I've, I was always very cautious about my money as a child and, uh, you know, being really protective over the money that I did have. And also being just really strategic with how I saved and spent my money, even as a little girl. And so I would just say it just came naturally to me. I don't really know where it came from. And it's just followed me throughout the rest of my life. I love that. So the money conversations you had when you were younger, what were those like growing up? Hmm. So I don't think there were really many intentional conversations with family. I grew up in a family that was really very much working class. I grew up in Baltimore City in the more more or less the inner city with parents who were teenagers when they had me. So they were just trying to figure out who they were as people, trying to learn how to become adults and now take care of this little person that they have brought into the world. So growing up, my parents worked very blue collar jobs. Neither of them finished college and they were always busy. It was always like hustle season for everybody. And so there just wasn't a ton of time to sit down and have those conversations. But I definitely learned a lot through observation and just seeing the experiences that they had and some things I embraced and some things I said I wanted to do totally different um, from, you know, from what they did. But all of that was just training ground for who I've become today. What was your draw to the medical field? So I I understand you're a physician assistant today, but what was the draw for that field? So the answer to this question is very much connected to the previous question, because growing up, I said one of the things that I wanted to do was escape. Like at the time, Ah. growing up in Baltimore, it was just like, I want to get away from here. And, you know, of course, nothing against Baltimore, Um, you know, born and bred there, had all my formative years there, had tons of family on both sides um, there, met my husband there in college, so many different experiences there. But one of the things that I felt at the time was that people sort of grew up here, stayed here, didn't go anywhere else, didn't do anything Mm -hmm. different. And so I had this idea that I wanted to escape. And for me, the way of escape was education. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to school. I'm going to get this education. And I'm getting the heck out of Baltimore. Like, that was just my (laughs) thing. So I literally went to the library and was like, you know what? Let's look in the career section because, of course, this is, you know, 90s and, you know, the Google is not really a, a thing right now. So, you know, I'm going to the library looking in the career section and looking through high paying careers. And I stumbled across medicine and I said, oh, OK, I can kind of do this. I had some family members who had been paramedics and had, you know, kind of been my always a respiratory therapist. And so I was sort of exposed to healthcare. And I said, hmm, this is a way that I could go to school, make some really good money and get the heck out of Baltimore and do these other things that I want to do. And so I stumbled across healthcare, and then from there just kind of narrowed it down and randomly ran into somebody who was a PA. Um, and I didn't know what that was. So I asked, I said, what's a PA? And as I learned more about it, I said, this could be the perfect solution for what, you know, what I'm looking for. I can get out. I can work. I can also not have to go to school for 12, 13 years of my Mm -hmm. life, even though I ended up going to school 12, 13 years of my life anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But at the time, yeah, I was like, I'm going to get in. I'm going to get this degree, get out into the workforce and start making some real money. And that was really my motivation for going into healthcare. I can't even say that it was like entirely altruistic to say, oh, I wanted to help people. But I, I did and I still do. But at the time, as a really immature 16, 17 year old girl, I was like, 
yeah, I need to go into a field where I can make some money. And then the compassion and the empathy and all the stuff that goes into healthcare came along the way, of course, as I grew and matured. I, I, I was the exact same way too. I mean, definitely not in the medical field. That's way above me for sure. <laughs> but with accounting, I'm like, okay, I hear accounting is stable and pays well. And so I don't care if I hate my job, as long as I'm making money. Like that was seriously my immature attitude. And I look back yeah. on that, I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. You know, and some of it for me, it came out of that sense of, you know, I never grew up feeling like I was deprived or that I was missing out on things. But as I got a little bit older and started to see what other people were doing, and I, you know, I said to myself, well, once I get married, have kids and do this thing on my own, I wanna do things a little bit differently. And I thought that money would really be a tool or resource to help me do some of those things that I had not experienced growing up, like taking family vacations. There was just no time to do that, very little time to take vacations out of state, um, you know, go on trips or do things like that with family because my, my parents were always hustling, working to keep a roof over our heads, food on the table. There wasn't a ton of room for extras. And so I said, having this high paying career field will allow me to do those things and, you know, really experience life the way that I felt that I wanted to. I love that. Okay. I have to ask, this might be a little bit personal, but when you first met your husband, Eric, what was he like with, like with money? Was he good with money? Like you, was he not so great? Like, what was that relationship like? Oh, funny. No, he was definitely not really interested in money. And even to this <laughs> day, <laughs> we've been married with 16 years now. So uh, yeah, 16 years. We we met uh, actually for, at the end of freshman year, started dating between our freshman and sophomore year and have been together ever since. And we got Aww. married after right after undergrad. But no, he, he really is not a money-minded person at all. He's not a spender. You know, they say savers and spenders. Um, money nerds and, you know, spenders yeah. kind of opposites attract. He's not really a spender. He's just a big, big idea kind of person. He can't get into the weeds when it comes to budgeting and looking at every line item. His eyes just start to glaze over. It's just not his thing. <laughs> um, and it took me so long to just realize, you know what? That's him. Stop trying to make him be you. You have your own gifts. He has his own gifts. If he was just like me, we would just have spreadsheets and calculators out all the time and would never do anything else because we would just both be in the weeds with the numbers all the time. And he's the one that tells me, slow down, enjoy the fruits of your labor. You work hard. We work hard. Let's do these things. Um, but, you know, bringing it together, we now have this relationship where we can sit down and talk about money and talk about it from the perspective of what's our, what's the larger plan? And this is how I kind of roped him in. Instead of saying, you spent too much money on lunch out this week or you spent this, I'm like, hey, what's our long-term plan? Where would you like to retire? How old do you want to be when you retire? What do you think we'll be like when we are, you know, on a beach somewhere sipping, you know, drinks or whatever? Um, Non-alcoholic, of course, I don't drink. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's how I kind of rope him into the conversation is by framing it in this big picture. But no, he he's not really a money guy at all. Yeah. And I'm, I'm always curious for couples how how you manage money together. So do you guys like have one joint account? Do, is it your like our money? Is it your money, my money? Like, how do you guys approach that? Yeah, it has. It's evolved. I guess that's a good a good word to use. It's evolved over time. I think I started out thinking, I mean, I don't know what I really 
thought or if I really had a conscious discussion with myself about what we would do when it comes to money. When we had our premarital counseling, our pastor sat us down and we kind of talked about money a little bit. And just by default, because I was the the money nerd in the relationship, it just kind of fell to me. But you know, as a newlywed, what I found over, you know, the first few years of our marriage was that that was kind of cool until we started having kids. And we, we had <laughs> one, we had two, and I'm working, he's working, um, I'm cooking, doing, you know, the bulk of the housework as most working women still do. And mm-hmm. I started getting resentful, like, hold up, I don't want to manage all of this by myself. I'm going to need some help here. And even though this is not something that you love, you're not passionate about the money. We still have kids. It's important for you to know uh, how to pay the mortgage and how to do all these other things if, you know, if I'm not available to do that. And we actually had this moment when I gave birth to uh, our third child and had some complications with that, had to go on bed rest in the hospital. And later he admitted to me like this was a really scary moment for him because he had no idea how to go and pay the mortgage what went where if something, you know, happened and the outcome went a different way. And so that was kind of a pivotal moment in our relationship. But we started out with everything in sort of one joint pot, even though everything was it was not a lot of money. So it wasn't a big deal at the time. Sure. But as you grow, as we were married more years, had more kids, it got more complex. And so I started to need some help. And so now we kind of have a, a joint approach to it in that it's kind of like, I call it his, hers, and ours. Yep. We we have all of the household stuff and everything together. But along the way, I encouraged, it was my idea for us to each open up a separate spending account. What I found was that I was just getting so you know, nitpicky and naggy about the budget, whereas yep. Yep. He went out and spent lunch. I'm like, why did you spend $27 of blah, blah, blah? What did you get that was $27? Did you really get a salad that was $27 or whatever? You got the guacamole, didn't you? Exactly. (laughs) Why did you supersize it? Like all of those kinds of things. (laughs) It really started to irritate him and I started to get super resentful about it. And so I I said, you know what, let's just make it a little bit easier for ourselves. He opened uh, a, a separate spending account and each of us put our personal spending money in there. And then when he wanted to get what I wanted to get a smoothie or buy some lipstick or whatever. I don't have to check in. He doesn't have to check in with me. And that has kept a lot of arguments down. So (laughs) I just tell married couples, do whatever works for you. And don't feel like it's an indictment on your marriage or the state of your relationship if you decide to keep some things, you know, a little bit separate. Um, Every point. Yeah. Everybody has to do whatever works for them. And everybody's situation is different. You know, I actually threw this question out to my audience on Instagram not too long ago, probably a couple months ago, asked this exact same question, like, do you think married couples should kind of separate or keep it together or what? And the the answers were all across the the spectrum. Um, You know, one lady shared just like a really heartbreaking story where her and her husband were managing finances together and he developed an addiction and it really sort of, you know, sunk their family and they had kids and she had no choice but to kind of separate things. And it's just like, I can't as, you know, as somebody who's a quote unquote influencer tell everybody, oh yes, you have to keep every dime together because I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Everybody has to figure that out for themselves. Oh, I love this. So I, I got to know too, when you guys were paying off debt, I mean, you graduated your PA, so that comes with, unfortunately, a ton of debt usually. So how much debt were you facing when you graduated college? So when I, when I initially started out my 
uh, journey to going to college. I was going to school in state and was able to get a lot of financial aid because I came from a lower income family. And I went to school pretty much the first, what, three years completely free. In fact, I was getting money back in the form of a refund check because, yeah, because I had so much grant money. And that at that time, I had planned to go to school for pre-med and had planned to go to medical school. And that's when I stumbled across the PA field. But unfortunately, no PA program at the school that I was at. And I I decided to transfer schools. Um, Much to my, you know, my parents were not excited about that. (laughs) They're not. No, I was like a year away from finishing with a biology degree and they're like, what? So you, you want to do what? You want to transfer schools? This You want to take out loans now? This doesn't make a lot of sense. But I was like, I don't have to go to medical school. I could go to school, be a PA, start earning money. Back to that, you know, that story I told in the beginning about wanting to get out and make money. Um, so I, long story short, I transferred schools so that I could go to PA school. And I ended up uh, with about $30,000 in debt from undergrad. From there, went on to get a master's, which was another 20. And then I decided that I was going to school to get a doctorate. And then that was another 50 or so, 40, 40 plus. Um, so altogether, about 90, 96K maybe, give or take. Yeah. And and my husband had about 7,000. <laughs> Good on to, him. That's awesome. <laughs> I know, compared to my uh, 96 or 97,000. So ultimately, across all three degrees, it ended up being about, yeah, about 96 or so thousand. Which is a lot. I mean, I can imagine when you're looking at that number, how overwhelming that might feel. So talk to me about that moment where you and your husband sat down and said, okay, we're going to we're gonna do this crazy payoff debt thing. Like, what, what did that look like for you guys? <sighs> it was... I mean, it was really a a crazy moment. It was literally, I mean, I'm embarrassed to even say this. I was pretty much seconds away from walking across the the stage with that third degree. Um, I had deferred my loans all through uh, working on a master's as I was was working professionally as a PA, but also getting a master's degree at the same time. And I just kind of put my head in the sand and didn't think about it. I was like, you know what? I'll pay it back. I'm making good money. It's not a thing. I'm going to be able to pay it back, which is what I kept telling myself over and over again. And I was literally waddling across the stage, earning that doctorate, pregnant with my sec- with our second child, six Aww. months pregnant, <laughs> and uh, with my little cap and gown, hoping I didn't, you know, slip and fall with a pregnant <laughs> belly on stage. Yeah, no doubt. Yes. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to have to pay the piper now. Like, it's time to pay back everything I owe. And believe it or not, up until that point, I had not sat down and done the final numbers. I knew it was a big number, but I had not done the actual calculations to say, I owe this down to the penny. And so here I am, six months pregnant, knowing that I'm going out on maternity leave. I have a toddler, we have a toddler at home, a two-year-old in daycare. And I know I'm going to have this second child going into daycare. And I have to figure out how I'm going to make this financial situation work because along the way I was living that life. I was celebrating. I was making real money. We bought a house with very little money down. I was driving an expensive luxury car with no money down, $500 car payment. Once that second child came around, the daycare bill was larger than our mortgage. And now I got to pay back the student loan debt. So Mm -hmm. it was a, it was a very scary moment uh, for me. And that was really when things started to change for me financially. So what'd you do? Like, I mean, six months pregnant and getting ready to go on maternity leave, you didn't really have a ton of wiggle room in that capacity, I suppose. So how did you, how'd you approach your plan? 
Yeah. So, you know, I tried to just put one one foot in front of the other and just focus on, you know, the task at hand. But I knew pretty immediately after, you know, my three months of maternity leave, I'd be going back to work. And that meant my child going into some form of, you know, this the new baby going into some form of daycare. And so I started there just looking at that and actually sat down to create a real budget, had had dabbled in it. Of course, as I said, I've been a money nerd. So I've always been excited by the numbers and excited a- about finances. But when life kind of starts to get in the way, I'm in school, I'm working, I got to manage these kids, manage the house, keep the house clean. All of that book knowledge or knowledge that I had about money just kind of went to the wayside because life happens, you get busy, and all of a sudden it goes onto the back burner. So I had to sit down and really create a budget that I was literally going to stick with um, month over month, actually tracking expenses. It wasn't an income issue because we were making great money, but it was a matter of I had started living my life as if that student loan debt didn't really exist because it was so abstract. Um, I just signed on the line and said, I'm going to pay it back another day. And then finally that other day showed up. Um, So started by working on the budget, tracking expenses, uh, really getting a handle on my grocery budget, which was huge. Um, I did the calculations probably about a year later after that. And for two very small adults, my husband and I are pretty small adults, um, a toddler and an infant, we were spending over $1,000 a month on food. I'm like, Mm. what are we doing? But it's just so again, so many things going on. I'm working. He's working. Um, Then I started working nights. He's taking taking care of the girls during the day. I'm working nights. And it's just like, let's order a pizza. Let's do this. Let's do do that. You know, and sometimes you have to do that. But it started getting to be too comfortable to do that. And I said, you know what? Um, We have to really buckle down and start focusing on this debt. I have to, I looked at the the repayment schedule and said, if I pay this back the way they want me to, I'm going to be paying this back until this infant right here is getting ready to go off to college herself. And wow. that was just not acceptable to me. And thankfully with that third degree that I earned, I was able to increase my, uh, my earning potential significantly. So as a PA, I was working clinically and uh, with this doctorate that I now earned, I started applying for jobs at the community college. I was working in the hospital at night and I said, you know what, let me sign up to teach some medical terminology courses during the day. Let me see if I could teach some online health courses at the community college. And as those new side hustles started rolling in, I took all of that extra cash, the vast majority of it, and just threw it at the principal of those student loans. And ultimately I was able to get those student loans paid off from the time I started paying them um, and finished that degree. I finished that degree in 2010 and I made my final payment in 2015. So five years. Whoa, yeah, that is I, kick butt. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you were hustling. Okay, I, I have to like pause for a sec because you were two kids at this time, well, three now, but two kids during that process and working a full time job plus a side hustle. Oh, yeah, mul- multiple side hustles. Oh. Oh, I was a crazy person. So no, don't get this me wrong. Is incredible. <laughs> uh, yeah. Looking back on it, I say to myself, I don't know how I did it. I mean, sheer will willpower yeah. um, and just the desire to get it done. And I'm also the type of person that once I set something up in my mind and I say I'm doing it, it takes a whole lot for me not to follow through. Um, you know, I do everything in my power to do so. 
And once I made made that decision to get serious about the finances, like I went all the way in. Um, and between 2010, when I finished that degree, had my had my second daughter in uh, 2010, the one I was pregnant with, um, returned to work from maternity leave uh, with this new degree, and I got my first online teaching job. And from there, it was just up. And then I got another one. Then I got another one. Next thing I know, I'm teaching at four different online schools, working at night, teaching at the local community college. Got two kids at home, a husband, a house to maintain. And I was really tired. I was cranky a lot of the time. I didn't sleep that well. I didn't eat that well either. (laughs) I wasn't really taking that great care of myself at the time. But, you know, the reward was I got the debt cleared uh, really quickly. Uh, so, you know, there are times in your life where you got to hustle, it's hustle season. And that was a time for me. It was like a, a do or die time. And um, but I don't recommend that people go hard like that for uh, for an extended period of time. Yeah, I always wonder about that, too. And I, I don't have kids myself, so I can't speak to that. But I've heard a lot of people in my audience as well. They get really intimidated like they have this sweet little babe looking at them and they don't want to leave the baby they don't want to take on extra work because it takes away time from the little ones so i i'm sure you have felt that at some point how did you emotionally grapple with that and how did you like reason through this yeah i mean it was an evolution i think initially after the first after our first daughter i tried to be a stay at home mom for like 5 minutes <laughs> 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 for literally like five minutes. And um, it just wasn't for me. Um, you know, not there's anything wrong with that, but it it just did. It didn't work for me uh, for a number of reasons. I think I was drive, probably driving my husband a little crazy too when I was staying up. He probably was happy when I went back to work. It literally lasted for like, uh, I don't need less than six months. Um, but thankfully with, with a career in healthcare, I could do a shift here, a shift there, you know, a shift here, but I had resigned from my full-time spot and was just picking up ER shifts at the time where I could just go and work two 12-hour shifts a month and just keep my skills up and keep my license up and all that kind of thing. But, you know, I realized that it was important for me, especially with uh, having girls. I just remember the example that my mom set and how hard she worked uh, with me growing up to take care of us kids. And uh, eventually her and my dad had got divorced and she was a single mom and she worked, you know, hard to keep a roof over our heads without the additional income from my dad. And I just know how much that shaped me. And so in somewhere in the back of my mind as well as like, you know, I want to I want to have this example for my girls that if this is what you want to do, don't let anybody shame you. Don't let anybody shame you if you want to stay home. Don't let anybody shame you if you want to work. Do what you want to do. Um, and set your life up in a way that is supportive of that. So I've never had, you know, I would say, I wouldn't say I've never had mom guilt because every mom has some sort of guilt when you're working hard and, you know, you have your kids in daycare. But at the same time, I have to balance that with what I feel called to do as well. And I've always felt called to be a working woman. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the longer answer. I guess. No, I appreciate that. And and by no means do I want you to feel like I'm like challenging that idea. Oh, no, I, I just I know that so many people do feel that pull of like, oh man, what do I do? And I don't have kids, so it's always interesting to hear that. So thank yeah. you. Yeah, and it it ebbs and flows. Um, and especially like with kids that small, I've I discovered as my kids got older 
You know, they need me for in different ways as they get older. The conversations that I have with them are different. The questions that they come home, well, when when school was actually still a thing before <laughs> when they went to physical school, <laughs> no right? Uh, when I wasn't a homeschooling working mom. Uh, but, you know, they come home with questions. And, you know, that's when I need to really, really be there for them. Those formative years when I was out there hustling and working six and seven, eight jobs, they don't, they have no remembrance of that. Mm-hmm. They don't remember it at all. And now that the debt is paid off, I'm free to work whatever schedule I want. I work three days a week in my PA profession, in my PA career now. And I, I run my business on the side. I, uh, I'm much more selective about what I take on as far as side hustles. Yeah. Because I'm not in that hustle season anymore. Because once the debt was cleared, it was just like... I can breathe. I can breathe now. I can really start to be selective about the things that I want to do and how I want to spend my time. Nicole, how have you stayed debt-free? Like, what are some of the the tips and strategies you and your husband have implemented to keep you from going back into that vicious cycle? Yeah, I would say all of this, the same stuff. Uh, For me, really, honestly, it wasn't too, too difficult because the bulk of my debt was by far student loans, and I have no desire to, to do any more schooling at all. Like somebody could come and say, Nicole, uh, we're going to we're gonna pay for you to go to school. And I'm like, nah, chief, I'm good. Um, <laughs> no, nah, I, I passed. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm past that season of my life. Um, I never had issues with credit card debt or tons of consumer debt outside of just that uh, that car that I had. I went out and one of the first major purchases that I made when I got that first big girl job was to get that that Lexus that I dreamed of uh, and had no money to put down on it because, you know, we had went out and got, you know, a condo and had done these other things, renting this condo that we didn't need. We didn't have kids at the time. We could have been in a little box and it wouldn't have have mattered because it was just the two of us. But living that lifestyle that I thought I wanted so much as a little girl that I, I yearned for, now I'm living it, but I'm really like living a lie almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really moving forward, it was for me a matter of shaping it around my goals. What do I want out of my life? I want more control over my time. I don't ever want to have to hustle like that again. Um, I just, I thought it really hit hard for me during this COVID season because, um, you know, years ago when I worked in the ER, I would have had no choice but to be on the front lines, um, to be out there and to maybe have no other choice but to sign up to work in a COVID unit uh, to get some extra cash as a side hustle. Mm -hmm. And now I work in a different field that's um, not, we're still on the front lines. I work in mental health now, so I'm on the front lines in a different way, especially now during COVID. Um, But I, I just kind of remind myself of, what I went through all those years paying off debt and what that hustle was like. And I know that I don't want to go back there again. So that motivates me. I'm also motivated by building generational wealth and having something tangible to pass down to to my three kids uh, that I now have. I have the two girls and also have a son. My son was uh, was. Um, uh, you know, was was born and it really kind of changed things for me because I had that whole, you know, NICU journey and he was born early and, you know, life flashing before my eyes kind of situation. And it changes mm-hmm. your perspective when you say, you know what, this is what my life is about. I can be a working woman. I can do all these things, but I want to be here for my kids and have something to pass down to them other than a stack of bills when I leave this earth. Oh, love this so much. I think that's such an important piece. Something that I I love so much, and I know we're in a mastermind together, so we've talked about, 
you know, the difference of like, how do people view frugality and all this stuff. But on your website, you have a really great quote that is, you can call me cheap, but you'll never call me broke. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my my, fav- my favorite sayings, my famous sayings. Uh, and one of these days, I'm going to get it on a t-shirt. I hope uh, you do. Thank you. I will. I hope to. I've, people have asked me so many times because I've always said it. Uh, that came out of being called cheap so many times as a as a little girl um, because my my parents and family members would just always joke and say, oh, you're so cheap because I would hold on to a dollar forever. Like I get not necessarily allowance or I get like some birthday money or something. And three months later, I still have that money because I haven't found anything special enough that I want to spend my money on. Um, and they just be like, oh, you just cheap. And I'm like, no, I'm not cheap. I'm frugal. And later on, uh, you know, people are like, well, there's no difference. And then that's when I really started getting familiar with the real meaning behind frugal. And eventually I just started, you know, clapping back at people and like, well, you know what? I don't care if you call me cheap. It used to bother me. Call me cheap all you want, but you'll never call me broke because I'm always on top of my money and I'm always being very strategic about what I'm doing with my money. And so that's where that saying came from. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's really interesting. Absolutely. And and frustrating too sometimes that when you go on a journey, whether it's you know losing weight or whether it's paying off your debt, it seems like the naysayers always initially come out, and it can be a little hurtful. But yet you can't let that in, internalize that too much. I think that's the tough part. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. People always have an opinion, you know, regardless of what you do. People always have something to say, and I just you know made up in my mind that I don't really care what people think. I don't care what people say, you know, it's all about, especially at this stage of my life, you know, I'm going to be 40 this year. I don't know what it is about getting older where I really could care less about what people think. <laughs> and it's just so freeing. I mean, people are always like, well, what do you feel about turning 40? I'm like, I'm all, I'm here for it because I'm fully embracing who I am as a person. I'm, you know, more confident than I've ever been in my life. And when it comes to my money, you know, I don't let anybody shame me for what I want want to do. I don't let people shame me for my my interest in money or always talking about money because, you know, that's just that's just what I'm into. And I try not to judge people for for their decisions. And I think as a money nerd, you know, we walk that fine line of wanting to run up to people and say, look, this is the, the these are the benefits of debt freedom. If you just <laughs> change this, if you just start a budget, yeah. if you just do this, I think all of us go through that when we first start out our financial journeys and not everybody wants to hear what you have to say. <laughs> and after a while, it took me a while to figure that out. Not everybody wants to hear what, what you have to say. What I found and what I tell women in my audience is it is best to walk by example. Um, let your actions speak louder than your words ever can. And um, I even let let that happen in my marriage as well with when it came to money. You know, my husband wasn't, as I said, he's not an, a numbers guy. He wasn't excited about necessarily looking through the budget and the line items. He He's all about living debt-free. He just don't want to sit down and come up with a plan for how to do it. No and what I, Yeah. And what I started doing was just doing some things on my own. I don't need to have him 100% on board before I start making some changes. And uh, I stopped nagging him about the little purchases. We set up our separate spending accounts. And I just started doing some saving on the side and doing some things like this. And one day on my YouTube channel, I made a video about how I saved $28,000 or something in a year. Um, This is a couple years ago. And this dude calls me from work at his lunch break (laughs) and says, how'd you do that? How you do that? Stop it. <laughs> I was like, uh, 
bruh, you're going to have to look at the video like everybody else. But, <laughs> but, but no, seriously, I was like, these are all the things that I've been talking about over the years. And sometimes it's just walking that walk and um, letting them see the fruits of your labor to, you know, that's the thing that's going to make the light bulb go off. And we, I sat on the phone with him during lunch and was like, this is what I've been doing all the time behind the scenes, you know, all my little, I'm, I'm not nagging you no more, but this is what I'm doing instead. And he was like, I got it. I, I get it now. And so um, I think, you know, walking by example is is a, a big part. And I just I just love seeing that light bulb go off in people's heads. But it has to be in their own time. It can't be something that I'm forcing, you know, forcing on them. I love that. That's such a great story. And one of the things that you talk about walking through example, you you've built a career like outside of being a PA, you're starting to build up a really awesome business of doing this. So talk to us a little bit about your business. Like how did you decide, okay, I'm going to take on a new side hustle and share this, this side of it. How did, how did that come about? Well, it's, it's kind of, uh, it was just kind of crazy. It was just one of those things where I wanted to have some accountability. I would say I was kind of working on things behind the scenes. Um, and actually, you know what? I think, as a matter of fact, I think I got my timeline wrong before. I finished my degree in 2010 um, and I made my final payment in 20, 2016. So it was a little under five and a half years for the student loan payoff. But okay. along, yeah, along the way, uh, and I don't know how I forgot that because my son was born in, in 2016. So I should always remember that year. Um, but what happened was I started watching YouTube videos. You know, I was at work at night and I was like, let me let me figure out how to, you know, what's up with these cash envelopes that they've been talking about? Yeah. Um, and let me watch some of Dave Ramsey stuff. I, I had read, you know, some Dave Ramsey stuff, kind of put it in a corner somewhere and it was nice, but I didn't really implement any of it. And so I started looking at these YouTube videos and and I was like, you know, looking at some people in the budgeting community. And I was like, you know what? After a while, I'm just going to make my own video. And I just sat down at my webcam of all things, <laughs> no camera, no, didn't even <laughs> use my phone because I had a little, a little cheap phone at the time that, that wouldn't have been good quality. And um, I just sat down at my webcam and was like, I'm just gonna, you know, talk about what I'm doing with my finances and maybe, you know, I can motivate some people. Uh, maybe I can just, you know, remain accountable. And that was over five years ago. Um, that I've been making YouTube videos, almost 400 YouTube videos. And this entire community just like popped up around me where, um, you know, I didn't have to be an expert. Uh, I could share my journey and my story and it resonated with people. And before I knew it, people were asking me, well, how'd you do your budget? Or can I get a copy of your Excel spreadsheet? Or can I do this? And do you offer one-on-one -on -one coaching? And I was like, at the time I did not, but somebody emailed me and was like, do you offer one-on-one -on -one coaching? I was like, oh, yeah, I do that. And then I hopped, <laughs> I hopped away to set up a page, sent the link, and I had my first coaching client. And all of this is still while working as a PA, and it turned into yet another side hustle. And so that's that's really how, how it evolved. And I'm still on YouTube and now on Instagram and doing some other things to continue to motivate people, especially women. Uh, most of the, the people in my audience are women who have kids and are in that same position where it's not that they don't care about money, but they feel overwhelmed 
they feel pulled in a million different directions and they want to know how to make it such that it's not too overwhelming or too difficult for them to do the things that they want with their money. And what I constantly hear from people is that I can break these subjects down into a way that is easy for them to, you know, to feel as if they can, they can do it and they can manage it on their own. And, um, that's, that's my passion now. I love that. And then you also launched, 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 you launched a planner over there. (laughs) (laughs) Talking's hard sometimes, man. (laughs) Look, it sure is. Some days you just want it. And then other days it's just like, what did I just say? What did I just say? (laughs) (laughs) This is like me almost every day. Oh, me, (laughs) me too. Every day. (laughs) Talk to us about your planner that you launched. What was the, it's more of a journal, if I understand correctly. It's kind of a hybrid, I would say, between the two. Um, It's, it kind of joins like the journaling aspect with the practicality of a budget planner. Um, And so it's called the Beyond the Budget Money Planner. And at the beginning of it, it has journal prompts that are all related to your money. So exploring those early money stories, like you asked me the question of, you know, how did you go out with money and what was, you know, your some of your first experiences and things like that. And so I put some journal prompt questions there to kind of get some brainstorming going because, you know, um, and I know that mindset is such a big part of it. And so I wanted to have that incorporate some of that in there and um, just have, you know, a nice pretty journal that that we could use as ladies. You know, a lot of times you buy these journals and they're so pretty that you don't want to write on them and mess them up. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want it to be so cute that people were afraid to use it. It's it's durable. And I wanted it to be something where you could just toss it in your purse and be able to go jot down your transactions if you wanted to jot down however you're feeling about your money, jot down your goals and, um, and keep it moving. And so that's where the idea came from. You know, I'm all about Picking the type of budget that is going to work for you, the type of framework that's going to work for you. If it's an Excel spreadsheet, I got you covered there. If it's a a, a printable sheet, I got you covered there. If it's a hard copy of a planner, um, I got you covered there. If it's an app, I can make some recommendations for that too. So, you know, giving it to people wherever they can get it um, is really what I'm all about when it comes to the budget. So, um, yeah, that was my my little passion project that I was super excited about. I launched it about a year ago and it's been doing really well. I, I love that. I've never launched a physical product like that before, but I also hear a lot of people say that they have their versions of like journals or planners or something that they want to create and put into the world. So can you give people some context if they do want to launch their own planner? Like what's that process like? Yeah, I would say the biggest part for me was really mapping it out to figure out what I wanted in it. It was a situation where I I kind of wanted some of everything. So I bought a bunch of planners, uh, budget planners, and looked at a bunch, reviewed them and said, oh, I don't like this. If, you know, if this was mine, I would change this. Um, and I kind of took the the best of all the things that I stumbled across and said, this is what I'm going to do. And the part that I felt that was really missing was that mindset part. Mm-hmm. Um, but the designing part of it, um, you know, I, I, I outsource that to somebody because I'm not, I don't consider myself a creative really. Um, so I just really focused on the functionality of it, what I wanted in it. And then I let somebody else help me make it look pretty and, um, you know, and manufacture it for a cost where I would be able to at least make some profit on the back end. Sometimes physical products are not that, you know, not that great. It could be a hassle. And um, sometimes you have to put up a pretty major investment at the front, at the outset, before you start seeing some profit back. So that's kind of the downside of it. But 
I, I really, it was a passion project for me. And I think it's definitely worth it, but have a plan for how you will sell it after you make it. It's cheap to make it, but you want to make some sales after. Um, so I would encourage people to make sure that you have done your research, know what people want, what to put in it, and have a, a, a plan on how you will sell it once you make it. For for the manufacturing process, are you doing yours, it sounds like not print on demand, like so you're buying a bulk order at each time? Yes. So actually, I wish I could show you a picture of it right now. <laughs> The I know, office, I know. Is it pretty crazy right now? It's ridiculous. I actually posted a pic, a picture in my in my stories not too long ago, um, and <laughs> I just had boxes all over the place. It's ridiculous. Um, but no, I just basically buy them in in bulk, um, have them made up in bulk, and then I sell them. Um, so that's how I chose to do it. I, I'm I'm pretty sure you probably could do something similar like drop shipping with with a planner. I don't know. Um, I never even thought of about doing that, but that probably would be a way to kind of have my hands off. Um, but at this point, I've kind of set myself up as a one woman show, apparently. So um, <laughs> I'm like chipping. I'm customer service. I'm the face of the brand. I'm I'm a mom. I'm I'm trying to do it all, but you know, in moderation. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I you know I handle it now. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I respect that. I think that's so cool. What is your what's your goal with the the business? Like you're you're having a ton of fun. I know you are, and you're really great at what you do. But where are you hoping to take your business? Hmm. You know, I've gone back and forth in my mind about that. Uh, one of the things that, and I've I've been asked that question a lot of times too, and I've had a a, a couple of offers, actually more than a couple, where I could have potentially taken the business full time. And, um, you know, giving up my PA career altogether, but I worked so hard to, to, to get that education and, yeah. you know, have grown passionate about healthcare, especially now that I work in mental health, being able to work with people that struggle with depression and PTSD and anxiety, especially right now in the season that we're in, in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, healthcare is not the kind of thing you can pick up and put down whenever you want it. You have to maintain certifications and license and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't think I would ever trade my PA career and, you know, put it down and just totally become solely an influencer. I like having the multiple streams of income. I like being able to do some of some of everything within reason. Yeah. Um, and I guess my vision now is it for it to be still be fun. You know, I don't ever want it to be a thing where I feel like the business really is work. It's still so much fun for me. The moment that it becomes not fun, then, you know, I probably would just kind of call it quits. So Mm -hmm. that's my goal is to just keep it fun, have it uh, be a means to accelerate my other financial goals, like saving money, investing, helping my kids with college and leaving that financial legacy that you know, that I talk to them about. And I realize now that it doesn't have to all be through my PA career or even the teaching part of my career. Um, I'm teach, still cheat teaching, but just in a different capacity. And I still do some um, some healthcare teaching online as well. So it's just, it's an additional stream of income. And I love the flexibility that it gives me. Some days if I'm not feeling it, I'm like, I'm not recording today or I'm not doing this today. And, um, you know, and I have the freedom to to do that. I love that. I think that that's so awesome. And I think so many times we live in this, this, or it's like this or this, you have to choose. And I, I think that's such a BS lie that we tell ourselves. So I love that you're able to make it work for your life and you have 
multiple passions. And that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's representative of a lot of people. You know, it's just like, we're not one dimensional creatures. It's doesn't have to be all or nothing. And I do, you know, as entrepreneurs, I'm sure you've seen it where, where people are almost shamed into giving up their nine to five in favor of becoming an entrepreneur. Like, what is that about? You're so right though. Yeah, people are almost shamed. It's just like, there's no shame in that. Not everybody, one, wants to be an entrepreneur. Two, all the entrepreneurs out here aren't being 100%. They're not keeping it 100 about how you struggle behind the scenes, about how you made some bad moves and lost some money, about how you invested and didn't get a good return, about how your clients get on your nerves. You know, you have all these different stories on the back end, but you always see all the glamorous stuff and people on beaches with, you know, sipping fruity (laughs) drinks and a laptop, like sis that's not the that's not what it is all the time <laughs> i wish so i totally wish it was <laughs> it's not that glamorous like <laughs> no no it's really <laughs> not, not for most of us <laughs> heck no i wish it was though that'd be oh, awesome but me you're too right. you i think the other thing too you see a lot in the online digital world is it's so easy to have a facade of your life and this perfection and and it's so curated that we oftentimes forget that business at the end of the day is freaking hard. And it is not all glamorous, like you said. It, there's a lot of grinds. There's a lot of a lot of crap that goes with that. And so I think it's, for most people, it's so smart, too, to have that normal nine-to-five job. And don't jump ship if it's not financially smart for you. I think that you're right. There is a lot of shame there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so thankfully, I, I never felt felt personally shamed to do that. And like I said, I've had opportunities where I could have gone all in on the business and said goodbye to my PA career, but I just haven't had a desire to do that. What'll probably happen is once I say I'm I'm retiring, then I'm retiring from all of it. Like the PA career, the, the YouTube channel, the brand, the business, wherever that is, you know, I probably would just be like, you know what? Yeah, now I'm going to go sit on my beach without without the laptop <laughs> minus the laptop um but yeah you know it's just like make it your own it does not have to be what you know what somebody else wants it, wants it to be it's all about what it is that you want and having a plan for how you're going to get it yeah preach my friend i love this this has been such a fun conversation i've definitely learned a ton from you and it was really fun digging into your background too i didn't know all this about you so it's really awesome to learn more yeah, thank you so much. It's it's been an awesome opportunity to to just come here and just talk. I mean, it made it really comfortable because we've been on so many calls together. It's just I like, know. yeah, it's just like talking with a girlfriend. Yeah, that's exactly, <laughs> exactly. Before we officially part ways, are you down for some rapid fire questions? Yeah. All right. So this is one of my favorites, especially from people that are very good with money <laughs> because it tends to be more intentional. What is one purchase you've recently made that has made your life better? Oh, oh my goodness. That's, that's a difficult one. One purchase that I made recently that made my life better. Oh my goodness. This might not really apply to like people that are not, you know, influencers, quote unquote, but I bought me some, some some really nice lights, <laughs> some extra lighting, um, which is critical for, you know, somebody who's on YouTube. Uh, I want some some great lights so that I don't have to be dependent on a nice sunny day outside to get good lighting for my videos. <laughs> love it. And I've been noticing it in your YouTube videos too. I love it. <laughs> it looks great. It, it made a world of difference. I was like, I should have done this years ago. What was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> what What lights did you go with? Oh, uh, it's uh, Fovatech something or other. I d- I'll definitely um, text you the link or DM you. Um, something I found out about on Think Media. I love Think Media on YouTube. 
if you are influencer or creative and you do video, definitely check them out. It was one of their recommendations. Hmm. I have not heard of that. I'll definitely go check it out too. Yeah, they're okay. they're really awesome lights. Good to know. Next question for you. What is your current morning routine? Oh, I wish I had one. <laughs> it kind of <laughs> works out to be like uh, I lay in the bed until I hear, Mommy, I want oatmeal and juice. And that's <laughs> that. That's my four-year-old coming in, waking me up, saying he wants oatmeal and juice. And oh, wow. um, yeah, usually he's my alarm clock because he's up before my alarm goes off. And then from there, it's just uh, uh, a rush to 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 get out and get everybody to where they need to be and uh, in in whatever corner of the house they need to be in so that I can work. I'm still working uh, working from home as a, a PA. I'm doing telemedicine, so my my morning routine is totally different now because I'm on video chat with my patients from my own home. That's so cool. I didn't realize you were still doing the telemedicine. Yeah, yeah. My office has been closed for several months now, and we're still we're still doing that here. Um, and I, yeah, I'm in Maryland. Remember, I said I was trying to get away from Baltimore, but it kept calling me back home. <laughs> I, I lived Gross. in. Yeah, I lived in several states, but I came back. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, so let's talk like post-COVID. Where is one location you're dying to travel to? Oh, how much time you got? Um, I think my next destination will probably be somewhere in the Mediterranean, hopefully. But uh, really, outside of that, Alaska. Alaska. Really? Yes, Alaska. My goal is to visit all 50 states, but Alaska is at the top of that list. That is so crazy. I've ne- I haven't heard that one yet. Yeah, Alaska. It's so beautiful. Anytime I look at YouTube videos on it, I'm just like, I want to move to Alaska, but probably not right. really, but I do want to visit. <laughs> I love that. I, I can get behind that too. Yeah. Okay. Last question for you. In your opinion, what is the secret to financial success? Oh, wow. Wow, that's a deep one. Secret to financial success. Um, I would say the secret to financial success is sitting down, writing out your goals, thinking about a big plan, and then working backwards to come up with action steps to implement it. Love it. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. You are such a rock star. Thank you so much for taking the time to hang out. Absolutely. Thanks for the invitation. I appreciate it so much. Okay, what'd you think? I love this episode with Nicole. I thought it was really interesting to hear how she balanced being a mom of two littles and then also side hustling and working her tail off to pay off debt. That was really a big takeaway for me. And it really, I respect the heck out of her. I thought that was a really cool perspective and I just really admire her in so many ways. Don't forget to enter in the giveaway and to enter in the giveaway to get her beyond the budget planner for free, like literally for free 99, we're going to send two people a copy of the planner. You need to screenshot this. Let me know you're listening in by tagging me on Instagram at Whitney underscore Hanson underscore co. And it's good through 915. So make sure you get your entry submitted if you want your chance to win a free copy of the planner pretty cool stuff. All right, guys, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening in. I will see you next week for another episode of the Money Nerds podcast. Bye.